Uh, my name is Eric, and I'm one of the pastors here. And on Vision Day, Pastor Brad gave us what he feels like God had given him for the word for our church to focus on this year, and that was inconvenient faith. And a big takeaway from that day was this, was that convenient Christianity is the enemy of your soul. And so over the course of this next year, we're going to be looking at eight core practices that on Vision Day were called our eight inconvenient practices. And they're inconvenient because once you start to practice them, you realize that they're, they're inconvenient. And three weeks ago, we started by talking about inconvenient prayer. And all throughout this series, we're going to be in the book of Daniel. In the first week of the series, Pastor Brad talked about praying for presence. And this is what he said. God is present because you are precious to God. And last week, Blaine Bartell was here to talk about praying for wisdom. And he said that God is the God of clarity. He's the voice of reason when we lack understanding. And today we're going to be in the book of Daniel in chapter 6. And so if you have a Bible, whether it's a paper Bible or on your smart device, you can flip there. And while you're turning there or flipping there, let me give you just a quick little context with where we're at. During this time, there is a new king in Babylon. His name is Darius. And he's known as being an administrative genius. And what he's done right now in this, in this point is he has made the decision to split up the kingdom into different sections, with each one of those sections having a high officer over that section of the kingdom. And then Darius seeks out the wisdom and counsel of Daniel because Daniel was known not only for his wisdom, but for his ability to interpret dreams. That's why the king seeks out Daniel for his advice. So Darius now makes the decision because of the advice given from Daniel to appoint Daniel to be... Uh, he's, he's helping protect the king's interests, and he has now promoted Daniel to be in charge of the high officers that are over the different sections of the kingdom. So to, 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 to put it into perspective, Daniel has now become a leader of leaders. And these high officers, they're not happy about this. And so they look for anything that they can figure out to get Daniel in trouble so that they can get rid of him. But they know that Daniel is faithful to God because he's proven himself to be a man of integrity, a man of wisdom, and just a man that's going to get things done. And so that was the only thing that they could find. And so what they did is they convinced the king to strike down this law for, that, for the next 30 days that anybody that prays to anybody but King Darius will be arrested and thrown in the den. The, the, the den of lions, not just any den, the den of lions. This is how they punished people whenever they were found guilty of something. They threw them into this den of lions. And so this is where we're at. The law has been made. King Darius has made this decision. And Daniel responds this way. So if you look in Daniel chapter 6, verse 10 through 11, it says this. But when Daniel learned that the law had been signed, he went home. And he knelt down as usual in his upstairs room with its window open toward Jerusalem. He prayed three times a day, just as he had always done, giving thanks to his God. Then the officials went together to Daniel's house and found him praying and asking for God's help. Today we're going to talk about praying for help. Let's pray. God, thank you for today. Thank you for this opportunity we have to be here to open your word. And I pray that as we continue to to look at this story and what it means for our life, that our hearts and our minds will be open to hear from you. And I want to say only what you want me to say, nothing more and nothing less. And I ask these things in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. amen. Well, you can take a seat. Well, 
we all know someone who is good at something, whether that is a craft, whether that is a skill, they're the go-to person for that thing. And they're the go-to person for that thing because they make things happen. And if you've ever wondered who that person here is at Court Church who just makes things happen, it's uh, Curtis Neal. And if you don't know who Curtis Neal is, he's sitting right here. And, and seriously, seriously, do you, what, what, what do you need? That is a, just a blanket statement, a blanket question. And sometimes when it's asked, it's not received in a way that, that somebody hears it and goes, I can make that happen. But let me ask you, what do you need? Do you need a new refrigerator? Do you need a new car? Do you need a new Pepsi machine that dispenses soda like they have in the stores, but uh, you can rig it to where it's, it's free? Do you need a nacho cheese dispenser exactly like the ones that they have at Quick Trip? Which, by the way, are all things that we have here at church because of Curtis. When we were talking about this, uh, this message and just this concept of somebody that makes it happen, Pastor Brad said this. He said that Curtis is just the guy that makes things happen, whatever you need. Like, you could call him today and say, Curtis, this is going to sound strange, might be just a little odd, but I need a giraffe for something. Well, the, that afternoon, uh, Curtis texts uh, Pastor Brad this. <laughs> he found a giraffe. Curtis made it happen. And this is Daniel. When we pick up Daniel's story in this section of the book of Daniel, this is what we learn about who Daniel is. Daniel is capable. Daniel is successful. He can do anything that he wants because he has the ability to make it happen. He's in this incredible position of responsibility and leadership. Remember, he's not just one of the king's hired men. He is over the high officers who are over different sections of the entire kingdom. So this, this isn't a promotion that Daniel gets. It is a statement that is made by King Darius to let everybody know that Daniel is the GOAT, which if you don't know what that means, it stands for the greatest of all time. This is who Daniel is. He is the guy that make things happen. He's capable. And when you really start to think about it, we're all capable. We all have the ability to make things happen. We all have the ability to get things done, regardless of our emotions, regardless of our feelings, regardless of our situation, we are capable to make it happen. We are capable to get things done. But just because that we're capable, just because that we can make things happen, doesn't mean that we're going to be able to avoid trouble. In the Gospel of John, records Jesus saying this. In John 16, verse 33, Jesus says, in this world, you will have trouble. And what that reminds us is, is that trouble, crisis, problems, like they're just a way of life. So even though we may be capable, even though we can make things happen, we're not able to avoid that trouble. We're not able to avoid that crisis. So even though Daniel was capable, even though Daniel was successful, even though Daniel could do anything he wanted, as the story unfolds and that we'll continue to look at, what we realize is that none of that matters. Trouble still came. And let's just have a moment of honesty here, okay? So everybody recognize this is the house of God, so we're gonna be honest. Who loves, just absolutely loves surprises? You love a surprise gift, you love a surprise party, you're like, man, if I don't know what's going on and I get surprised with something wonderful, I love it. Man, there's a lot of us that do not like surprise parties. Uh, that's certainly me. I, I love surprise parties. It's one of my favorite things. 
But now let me ask you a question. Huge show of hands, everybody respond. Who loves being surprised with crisis? Who loves being surprised with trouble? Who loves being surprised with something that you can't figure out how to do, to change, to fix, to make happen? None, None of us love that. Trouble came to Daniel, and he made a decision. Daniel made a decision knowing what it was gonna cost him. And for Daniel, he just simply responded. He recognized it, and he knew that in his spirit, if I don't do this, everything that matters to me will cease. If I don't do this, everything that's important to me, I will lose. I will lose everything if I don't respond in the way that I know God is calling me to respond in my spirit. Daniel was unwilling to compromise. And let me ask you a question. What do you do when you just can't make it happen? What do you do when you realize that what you're up against in your life the season of life that you find yourself in, that there's no connection that you have, nobody that you know, nobody that you can call, nothing that you can do to make it happen is gonna work. What do you do in those moments? Because when we, when we look at the life of Daniel, he had every single skill. He had every single talent. He had every single connection that you could possibly imagine. But none of that was going to fix his problem. What do you do when you're helpless, when you realize that there's nothing that you can do to change the situation? And maybe some of you, you're just, you're, you're just the person that's gonna fix it. You can just fix everything. God has just gifted you with that. But now you're realizing that there's nothing that you can do to fix what's happened, to fix what's going on. When everything is falling apart, when everything is going wrong, when there's a crisis on top of a crisis, what do we need to do? How do we need to respond? How do we make sure that like Daniel, we don't compromise? And not only that, but how do we pray? And when we look at the life of Daniel, how do we have said of us what is said of Daniel? Well, let's look back at the story and see how he responds. This is in chapter six, verse 10 through 11. But when Daniel learned that the law had been signed, he went home and he knelt down as usual. I really love that in his upstairs room with its window open toward Jerusalem. He prayed three times a day, just as he had always done, giving thanks to his God. And then the officials went together to Daniel's house and they found him praying and asking for God's help. There are a few things that jump out at me in these scriptures and the first one is as usual. Responding to a trouble, responding to a crisis Daniel doesn't try to roll the dice and just kind of pick a response to figure out what to do or a direction to go or something to make happen. Daniel's natural response was to do what he had always done, and that was to seek God in prayer. As usual, to do what he had always done, just as he had always done. So it was something that not only was Daniel known for, but it was just who he was, So think about somebody that you know. Think about what they're known for and how that's just in them, like it's just ingrained in who they are to do that or to respond that way. This is is Daniel when it comes to his faith. And the next thing we see is that he gives thanks to God. Is your first response to crisis or trouble to give thanks to God? Like just think about the way that Daniel responds. It's, It's incredible. 
And then we see here as it closes in verse 11, found him praying and asking for God's help. The trouble shows up, right? Like the law is signed and Daniel doesn't hesitate. Daniel doesn't stop. Daniel isn't paralyzed. He goes to God and he gives thanks to God and asks God for help. This is who Daniel was. This is who Daniel was. And let me ask you a question, and I want you to write this down so that you can talk about it with your groups later, process it throughout the week, and just really consider this question in your, in your heart. Is faith something you have, or is it who you are? Is faith something you have, or is it who you are? Because if faith is something that you have, you can set it aside. Think about that. When faith is something that you have, you can set it aside. Daniel could have done this. Like Daniel could have honestly set his faith aside when this law was struck down. Why? Because the law wasn't permanent. Earlier on in the story, we see that the law was only to be for the next 30 days. So it wouldn't have been a forever thing that Daniel would have hit pause on or set aside forever. It would have just been for the next 30 days. He could have set it aside and not gotten in trouble. And he could have said in his heart, not in his room with the windows open to Jerusalem, he could have said in his heart, look, God, this, this is kind of a big deal. So here's what we're gonna do for the next 30 days. I'm just gonna hit pause on my, my fervent prayer. I'm just gonna hit pause on my, my faith. Um, but I, I mean, I might pray in my heart, kind of, but I, you know, because I, here's the thing. I don't wanna get in trouble. And here's my promise, okay? Here's my promise. After these 30 days, I'm not gonna pray just three times a day. I'm gonna pray 30 times a day just to make up for those 30 days that I'm hitting pause. That could have been Daniel's response. And I don't think any of us would have blamed him for it. That could have been his response to this. I want you to write this down. When faith is something you have, it can be set aside. But when it's who you are, it can't be compromised. When faith is something you have, it can be set aside. But when it's who you are, it can't be compromised. This is what we see in the life of Daniel. He doesn't do that. He doesn't compromise. He doesn't set his faith aside because it wasn't something that he had. It was who he was. Daniel asks God for help. That's his prayer. And we don't have a whole lot of of details other than that. Verse 11, right at the end, found him praying and asking for God's help. All we know is that Daniel prays for God's help. And what I love about that is the similarities in that prayer of Daniel and in the prayer of David in the Psalms, specifically Psalm 107 in particular, there are just incredible similarities to the way that Daniel prays and what's recorded in that Psalm. Psalm 107 was written by Daniel to remind the people of God to give thanks to God for his love, for his protection, for his redemption. And what we see in that Psalm, four times throughout that Psalm, it's recorded that David talks about the people responding and talking to God and praying in times of trouble and they cry out to the Lord. They cry out to God for protection, for favor. When they're having a doozy of a time, their response to God is, Lord, help. Lord, help. 
And if I can just pull back the curtain for a second, this has been a doozy of a week for me. Uh, as you saw in the video with uh, our lead pastors, they're, uh, Brad and Laura, they're out, they're out sick uh, with COVID. And uh, I found out on Wednesday uh, that I was gonna be speaking uh, this morning. And normally I know weeks, weeks before uh, a message is supposed to be prepped. And to just to give you a little bit of context, very, very quickly, Monday is a sermon prep day, and then Thursday we gather as a team to whiteboard, to, to get feedback and ideas, and I kind of talk about this is where I feel like God is leading me for this, and they help and they support to make sure that what I'm saying is theologically sound. And then I have another four or five days to kind of finalize that before the message happens. Remember, this was on Wednesday that I found out. But, but to be completely honest, like that was a little bit of a panic, but it wasn't the biggest issue that I was having. For those of you that don't know, my youngest son, his name is Isaac, and he plays basketball. And uh, Brad is, is, is the, the head coach of our basketball team. I, 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 I'm, a, I'm a you're doing great coach. So when I'm there with Brad and he's coaching and he's given, given instructions and I'm like, you know, I'm watching him. I'm like, yeah, that's right. And we're going to go do this. And. That was the biggest panic that I was having. I'm like, how is that practice gonna go? How is the game gonna go? And I'm telling you, you may feel like in life that you have had your patience tested. And I, and I, and I don't doubt that. But you try to wrangle 11, seven and eight year olds for an hour for practice, that's not gonna just test your patience, that's gonna test your salvation. <laughs> like, are you saved or not? Coach seven and eight year old boys and you'll figure out pretty fast. <laughs> Your, your, your salvation. It, it's, and, and to be honest, I love playing sports, but I don't know a whole lot about them. When we were talking about the games that were taking place this morning in our team huddle with our, with our band and production team, I called them the Bengals, not the, not the Bengals. Bang, I mean, how do you say the dumb name? I don't know. I don't even care. Like, that's the thing. I don't know about these things. Brad does. I can give a seven or eight-year-old a guitar lesson. Okay, I'm not going to be able to to, to coach an entire team by myself, like I was just panicked. And did I mention that several of our members of our band were out either out of town or out because of sickness? <clears throat> and I had to figure out how that was all gonna get covered. And did I, did I mention that my son, my oldest, he's in sixth grade, middle school, and did I mention his math homework that he brings home Tuesday night and he lets me know that at 9 p.m., people, that he has 10 long division questions that have to be answered before 11.59 that night. When was the last time that you did long division? <laughs> and you might think, well, I just pull out my calculator and make it happen. No, 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 no. You can't do that in middle school because why? Work has to be shown. Why do you have to show your work? And so we're figuring out this formula, and it's just stressing me out. And we were up till past midnight, but we, but we got it done. And also Wednesday, when I found out, right, I had to prep for core youth. People are sick. People are gone. Now I was preaching and not leading worship. I hate long division. They changed math. When did they change math? Like, math is math. And here I am crying, Lord, help. Right? Huh. <sighs> Like, have you ever just been in that moment where it just feels like it's just crashing down on you and the only phrase that you can get out is, Lord, help. That psalm that I mentioned, Psalm 107, I wanna read you just a couple verses from it. This is Psalm 107, 28 through 29. Listen to this. Oh, Lord, help. They cried in their trouble and he saved them from their distress. 
He calmed a storm to a whisper, and he stilled the waves. This is why we ask God for help, because he calms the storm to a whisper. When you look at Daniel's prayer, you would think that Daniel would pray, save me from the lions. Like, keep this from happening. But that's not the prayer that we see Daniel pray. But to be honest, isn't that what we would all pray? Like, if if that was the reality that you were presented with about what was gonna happen because of a decision that you made against a ruler of a country, for you to go against that, and you knew that, that the lion's den was coming, I'm pretty sure we would all pray, God, keep me from the lions. Keep this from happening. God, don't let this happen. But Daniel didn't pray that. He didn't pray that way. He prayed, God, help me. And this is one of the most challenging prayers that you can pray because what you're saying when you're making that prayer is that, hey, whatever happens, happens. I just need to know that you're gonna help me. And what you're doing in that moment is you're placing it all in God's hands. And you're totally relying on him by saying, hey, no matter what happens, no matter what this ends up looking like, God, help me. And my question for you is, what would it look like in your life if you began to pray that way? Like right now in the season of life that you're in, maybe you're in a great season, maybe you're just in a a wilderness season, crisis on top of a crisis, as I mentioned earlier, what would it look like in your life if if you prayed that simple prayer, God, help me? And in in connection with our series and just our focus for this entire year, that's an inconvenient prayer, right? The convenient prayer is, God, save me from the lions. The inconvenient prayer is, I'm willing to go through whatever. I just need to know that you're going to help me. And again, remember, Daniel is the guy with the connections, right? Daniel is the guy that makes things happen. But right now, in this moment, Daniel recognizes his helplessness. He recognizes I'm out of options here. <laughs> I, it's, it's just not gonna get done. When have you been out of options? When have you realized that it's just not gonna get done? Like, I, I, I'm just completely out of options. And when we get in these positions, here's what we have to remember. When we don't know what to do, we, we, we've gotta come to this place where we recognize our helplessness and, and we recognize this is beyond my ability because this is what Daniel is admitting. He's saying, I don't got this. Like my, my natural power, my natural ability isn't gonna make this happen or go the way that I want it to happen and maybe even desire for it to happen. But hey, God, help me. Whatever happens, happens. I just need to know that you're gonna be with me. Here's what's really crazy about this is there are stories in scripture that we see that prayers are prayed for deliverance, that prayers are prayed for direction, that, God's are, that prayers are prayed for, uh, for protection. Daniel prays for God's help. And he still gets thrown into the lion's den. Think about that for a second. Daniel is asking for God's help and he still gets thrown into the lion's den. And here's Daniel praying for God's help and God doesn't save him from the lion's den. He gets thrown in. And the stone gets rolled over the top. And think about that image, the stone rolling over the top and the last bit of daylight that Daniel sees is gone. And for you, what is it for you? What stone do you feel like has just been rolled over your life? Maybe it's a dream that you had that has just 
you feel like the stone of, of defeat has just rolled over that and it's just not gonna happen. Maybe it's a job that you have or a career path that you had and you felt like at one point that this was gonna be something that I'm able to pursue or this is gonna be a possibility, but now it's just not even in the cards. It's not possible anymore. Maybe you feel like it's a relationship that the stone has just rolled over, like this relationship is, is dead, like it's, it's, it's damaged, like there's, there's, no, there's no natural hope of repair. Maybe it's a sickness, and maybe, maybe it's you, maybe it's a family member, maybe it's a friend, and you never would have thought or believed that what you, a family member, or a friend is experiencing would be a part of your story. And not only that, but you feel like the enemy is just closing in especially when we feel like it's one thing on top of the other. It's just like a, like a house of cards or do, this domino effect of problems and trouble and crisis. And we feel like the enemy is just closing in. And, and here's what I want you to do. Try to place yourself in Daniel's shoes in this moment, okay? He's in the lion's den. It's dark. He's surrounded by lions. Lions, by the way, we have to remember, the, they were starved. They weren't fed unless something was being thrown into the den, and they did that specifically so that whoever was thrown into the den would be attacked. Well, that's a pretty violent image, but that is what they did with these lions. They starved them. And here's Daniel in the darkness. And he can't see them, but he can sense their movement. He can smell them. He can hear them breathing. Like, does it feel like, there's a, does it feel like the enemy is closing in so much that you can hear him breathing? And, and maybe, like Daniel, you prayed the prayer. You prayed the prayer, God, help me. And you feel like the enemy is closing in, and, and here you are in the lion's den. And it can be really easy for us to think that in that moment that it's over. Like in that moment, we're just gonna tap out like it's done. There's absolutely no way out. There's only one way that this is going to go. I remember the first time that I heard this story of Daniel in the lion's den, right at this moment, when he's in the den, and I'm like, man, that is game over. That's it. Like, there's no respawn in this game. Like, that is the game of life, one and done. And, and Daniel's done. Think about it. He's thrown in the den, the stone is rolled over top, and we can think that that's the end of the story. And if this sounds familiar to most of you, it's because it is. When you think about this, we hear this and we're all thinking the same thing. We're thinking about Jesus because they put him in a grave and a stone was rolled over it. But we know the end of that story. We know that on the third day that the stone was rolled away. By the power of God, he rolled the stone away. And by the power of the spirit of God, God lifted Daniel out of the den. Look at verse 23. The king was overjoyed and ordered that Daniel be lifted from the den. Listen to this. This is just crazy. Not a scratch was found on him, for he had trusted in God. Not a scratch was found on him because he had trusted in God. God lifted Daniel out of the den. He lifted Jesus out of the grave. And at times it might just feel impossible and like it's not gonna happen, but by the same spirit, God will lift you up. We have to remember that scripture that says that it is, it is his mighty power. It is his mighty power at work within us. And the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead will raise you. This is the power of prayer. God, 
help me. Because it's not just words that escape our lips. We understand the power behind the prayer that we're praying. This is who God is. And my encouragement to you is that you can experience resurrection. You can be lifted up. When you don't, when you don't know what to pray, when you don't know how it's gonna happen, when you're not sure how this is gonna get fixed, or if it ever will, when you're about to walk in that classroom and there's that teacher, that, that teacher that you just do not see eye to eye with, and it's just a battle every time that you walk into that classroom, here's the prayer for you to pray. God, help me. And there's that, that coworker that either just annoys you or you just don't get along with, but you've got to continue to rub shoulders with because of the workplace. God, help me. When you're about to, to connect with a friend because you've gotten news about a crisis or trouble that they're going through and, and you have no idea how you're gonna respond. Like, how am I gonna encourage them? How am I gonna bring hope when their situation seems so hopeless? God, help me. And as a parent, when you find out about a pain that your kid has experienced, and you can't believe that you're having the conversation that you're having with your kid because of the pain, because of the hurt, because of the betrayal, because of the whatever, and you, you don't know what to say. You don't know how to respond in a way that is gonna come across as, as loving, as hopeful. God, help me. Poor church, we have got to remember that God heard the prayer of Daniel and he lifted him up. And God will hear your prayer. We need to remember that our faith isn't in the story, it's in the one who rescued Daniel. Our faith is in the one who lifted Daniel from the den. This is why we have to look to Jesus because he came back from the dead. The stone was rolled away, he was resurrected. What in your life needs to be lifted up? What in your life needs to be resurrected? What in your life just feels like it is just completely hopeless? and it's just crumbling down. What in your life needs to be rebuilt? What in your life needs to be restored? And maybe, maybe there's a list of things that came to your mind. So where do we even begin to pray for those things to take place, for those things to happen? Where do we even begin to, to build our faith in a way where we anticipate and we have eyes to see? think that is a really simple prayer. I mean, it's, it's three words, and, and you're right. It's very simple. It's very pointed. It's very direct. God, help me. Write that down. Put that on your mirror in your bathroom. Let that be the first thing that you see. Set it as a background on your phone so that when you're walking into that classroom or down the hallway that just gives you anxiety, you can see that. God, help me.
invite you to just close your eyes right now in this moment and just make that your prayer. And, and, and don't feel like you have to extend it even further than that or add some kind of eloquent word that, you know, honestly, you might not even know what it means, but it sounds good. No, just, just keep it like that. God, help me. our prayer that in, in our moments that we don't understand in our moments where we we, we can't make happen and we're not sure how it's going to work out we're not sure how it's going to go we can't we can't even in we can't even picture or dream what the finish line is going to look like we can't see it how we just we make that our prayer 